Okay, hear me now. All right, that's good. So if you get my newsletters, what I've been talking about, you know, discipleship, and it's not, you know, a, a higher class or a second class or, you know, or, or alternative class for people. If you're born again, then you're automatically enrolled in discipleship. You're just going to be discipled as soon as you're born again. But many people in our culture has been, you know, taught you can be a believer and never be disciple, and that's just not true. That you are, that you are, if you're going to be a believer, you're also going to be disciple. But I want to talk about, you know, uh, the gospel. And this is, you know, what, what exactly is the gospel? Because that's really kind of been lost. It's also been, you know, uh, intellectualized, I guess. Is that even a word? It's been put in a, in a way that people can understand in their head. And it's not necessarily bad. But if it doesn't ever take hold in their heart, then it is bad. And so I'm going to go through some scripture to, you know, to show you what uh, certain things look like. So what is, the, what is the gospel to you? You know, if somebody was to come up to you and, he, and you know, said, give me the gospel, what, what would your, your response be? You know, would it be the, you know, the, what, the five roads to Roman? You know, would it be John 3, 16? Would it be Romans 10, 8 through 10? You know, or would it be just you just ministering to them? You know, what would it be? So what is the gospel to you? And, it's, and it was really important because I don't think a lot of people could, you know, actually give the gospel. They may, you know, give intellectual gospel, but I don't know if they're going to give it from their heart. And one thing it is, because so many people have heard church things, they have a, only a mental understanding, a fleshly understanding. They don't, what I call secondhand revelation. And even Christians, we can have secondhand revelation, means we receive the word from some minister that we trust, but we really haven't gone to God yet to find out, is this really true and how, and what does this look like? And that's where Peter was. Remember, Jesus was asking, who do people say that I am? Then he finally says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter says, well, you're, you're the son of God. You're the savior of the world. And what Jesus could have said was, about time you got it. I mean, I've been talk, saying this for a long time, but he didn't. He said, blessed are you, Peter, for you've not heard from flesh and blood, which he had heard from flesh and blood over and over and over, but you've heard from the Father. And that's what I call secondhand revelation. Is something passed down to you because you trust somebody or is it something that you've heard directly from the Lord? And you can take a secondhand revelation. No, you just have to hear from the Lord and all of a sudden it's your revelation. It's no longer secondhand. So Peter's blessed because he heard from the Father. But Eve, she was in a situation too. She had secondhand revelation. She heard from the commandment, not to eat of that tree of knowledge of good and evil, but it was secondhand. And I don't know why she didn't, you know, stop, stop, you know, God, as they walked with, you know, in, a, in the garden on a daily basis, I don't know why she didn't stop and says, what is this about this one single tree that we're not supposed to eat of? She just, you know, maybe she didn't have a hunger and thirst to, to know all things God. Maybe, you know, don't know. But anyway, when Satan came to deceive somebody, he didn't go to Adam because Adam knew exactly. He understood he didn't understand what the consequence was going to be. He didn't really understand what death was. But you as, you as raising your children, you want to make sure before you correct your children or discipline them, did they understand what you said? And if they understood what you said, give them more understanding is not going to help. They need to be turned over, you know, and have, and, and have some consequences. So the devil came to Eve because she had secondhand revelation and talked her out of it. 
And that's what happens to us too if all we do is come to church and hear the minister speak and we believe what they say, but we don't go out to find out for sure. Father, God, did they re- is, that, is that really what you're saying? Remember the woman at the well? Remember Jesus started talking to her and then she drops her bucket and runs into town and tells everybody, I think I found the Messiah and the whole city shows up and they hear for Jesus, I think for two days and they they come to this woman and she says, they say, you know, we saw the change in you and we believed, but now that we have heard for ourselves, we believe. And I think the church is full of people that are relying on what mom believes what dad believes, what grandma believes, what grandpa believes, what the pastor believes, and they don't have a belief themselves. So relationship or religion, that's what we're, you know, you hear that all the time. Well, it's not, you know, religion, it's, it's about relationship. But what exactly does that mean? Because a lot of people would say that. A lot of times to me, it looks like they're, in, you know, actually are, in, you know, religion rather than relationship. You know, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. A lot of people quote that scripture, and we're going to get into that. Romans 10, 8, 10, it's kind of how, how does John 3, 16 work out? John 3, 16 talks about believing, but Romans 10, 8 means, talks about believing and then speaking it out. And with our, you know, with our words, it becomes, it happened. Other people, they, they, they would give their gospel being a creed or their faith statement, creed being more of a Orthodox or Catholic or something like that, and faith statement being more of the Protestant. You know, a lot of the Protestants given 10, 10 faith statements with you know what you believe. So that's how they would you know give the gospel out. But when I was on the street ministering to a lot of people, taking out sack lunches and ministering to the you know homeless, the drug addicts, the pimps, the prostitutes, or whoever came by. I, many times I'd ask them, does Jesus, you know, do you know Jesus? And a lot of them would say yes, even if that meant just go on, go on, go on. So I began asking him, does the Lord know you? Mm-hmm. And that would stop him because they didn't have a quick answer for that one because they wasn't expecting that. But if you notice to get into heaven, you're not going to get there by quoting John 3, 16. Peter and Paul are not up there and saying, Given us, tell us what I wrote in Romans 10. <laughs> then you'll get in. He's not telling us to get up there, you know, give us your your state of faithment or your creed. Jesus is going to say, either I know you or I don't know you. So do you know the Lord or do you know a whole lot about the Lord or do you know somebody who does know the Lord and you trust that they know the Lord? Who do you bow a knee to? And this is what a lot of, you know, Christians, and I'm not going to judge somebody if, you know, about their heart, because it's very hard to know what's going on in the heart. Man judges the outside, but God judges the heart. But too many people that I see as Christians, they may at times have a knee bowed to the Lord, but many times their knee is bowed to something else. Uh, memorizing verse in, verse, verses knowing and understanding. When I, I kind of learned this um, teaching math to my, you know, to my niece Zoe. I started out with, you know, 2 plus 3, you know, the simple math, 2 plus 3, 2 plus 4, 2 plus 5, and that kind of stuff. And she would, you know, after a while, she'd get the answer. And the answer, is, you know, is 5. But I wanted to know if she just memorized it, or does she actually know how to do add and, add and subtract? So then I'd give her the questions, was 3 plus 2? She'd get hung up. I don't know. <laughs> what do you mean you don't know 3 plus 2? What's 2 plus 3? Well, that's 5. Well, what is three plus two? I don't know. 
That means she doesn't know math. She just memorized something. And I think a lot of people have memorized the gospel, but if you take anything out of order, they don't recognize it. In fact, when Jesus came, you know, the first time around, they had memorized, a lot of the Pharisees memorized the first five, five books of the Bible, but he came back in a little way that they didn't recognize him. They had it memorized, but they didn't know him. And I think the same thing is happening in our culture, in our time. The, the, cult, you know, the gospel can't be known in a meme, and that's kind of the culture we're living in. Fast, 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 fast. No meme. Jesus is Lord. Yep, that's me. What's, what's the next thing? Well, do you know what that means? Well, Jesus is Lord. Next thing. They don't actually know what that means. We like to cut and paste Jesus everywhere on the outside and ignore the calling to follow on the inside. So we make everything around us Christian. We put on the bumper stickers. We wear the necklaces and the bracelets and put, you know, scriptures on the mirrors and refrigerator and decorate here and there. And there's nothing wrong with any of that stuff. But are we listening to what's going on in us? Are we being led by the Lord in us? Can we hear him in us? Then we're talking about Pastor Steve going down in here in leadership meeting. And also Pam was talking about the man's walk where there's times of silence because that's been lost. Where life is so busy, it's really hard to hear from God when we're trying to hear from God plus do all these other, other things. The time to you know, put both knees, bow unto the Lord and give him undivided attention, it seems to be lost. So we got to know just how much you're going to hear from the Lord when we got so much distractions going on the outside. So born again is an outside help on the inside, which is my new my newest thing. But we may pay more attention to the outside temptation than the than the leading of Christ on the, on the inside. I do, you know, Samson and Delilah, which is helps men and women get out of you know sexual addictions of one sort of another. And so one of the questions I ask him is, how long you've been struggling with this? Well, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years. Have you sought any help in the other one? No. Well, if you don't have it in you to help you, then you've got to get some outside help. I mean, after that many years, you've got to know by now that you don't have the help you need to quit. You've got to get some outside help. And of course, the world has a lot of 12-step programs and outside help. But Jesus is the outside help that comes on the inside. <laughs> and that's the best help you can get. As outside help that becomes inside help. But we pay much more attention to the outside temptation than the leading of Christ, you know, on the inside. We got to know that. There's many times that Satan is, is planned some kind of temptation around the corner and the Lord will just redirect my steps somewhere else. Sometimes I knowingly redirect my steps, not sure why, and other times he just does it. Then I find out later there is things that I, you know, I would have been tempted and who knows if I would have brushed it off or fallen into it. But nevertheless, we need to know Christ is within us. You know, the gospel can't be filtered down to a single scripture or a creed or a faith statement. So a lot of people want, you know, here, quick, give me the gospel. And, you know, there's a lot of programs out there on how you deliver the gospel. And there's nothing wrong with those kind of things. But we can't sum up all of God in just those, those things. Because God is so much more powerful than that. Uh, when I used to minister on the street, I didn't use any programs. And my thing is, we'd always pray before going out. And it says, all we need to do is find that woman at the well. If we can find her, 
minister her how she needs to be ministered to, then the whole city is going to come and be, you know, ministered to. And so, so that's where I learned to walk, you know, learn how to hear from the Holy Spirit and walk because I just, what do I need to say to this person? What do I need to say to this person? Now I, now I understand because a lot of churches are teaching prophetic evangelism. That's kind of what I was doing back then. That's what the Lord taught me is I wasn't just looking for certain things to go out there. I was looking for what does this person need to hear? What is this person missing? Especially since when I went out, so many people had come out of jail and prison, they knew the Bible a whole lot better than I did at that point. So I had to have the power of God to, you know, to get their attention. I couldn't quote scripture. That, that would just go right over them. And that's what we got to do too. We've got to let the Holy Spirit in us to be able to give the gospel and however he leads. The gospel can't be filtered down to single scripture or creed or faith statement. Uh, the gospel can only be lived and communicated through bowed knees to the Lord. And I was talking about earlier, you know, in our life group, talking about, uh, you know, I trust God in myself. And that's how most Christians, you know, start out in their salvation because we don't really know how lost we are. And so, so, you know, like Peter, I trust you, Jesus. I trust you and the sword. Then he took the sword, then he ran away because he didn't trust the Lord like he thought he did. And we learn the same thing, but it seems like when we're younger, God, I can do that. We run out in God's strength, but we also use our strength. But when we get older, we think we're washed up. But God, we can't do what you want us to do because I don't have any strength to do it. And go, I never asked for your strength anyway. I'll give you strength, not by might, nor by power, but by your spirit. But too often we depend on our own, our own abilities. We add our own abilities to the Lord. It doesn't mean we mature, we rely on Christ. So, so the gospel can only be lived, so that's what I mean, the gospel can only be lived and you know, communicated through bowed knee to the Lord. Because I don't know what somebody else knows, but the Lord does. The Lord knows what the missing piece is that's, that's causing them not to bow their knee. So John 3.16 is what people use, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Probably the most quoted scripture, the most memorized scripture, the most used scripture. Romans 8, uh, 10, 8 through 11 says, But what does it say? The word is near you and in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believeth result in righteousness and with the mouth he confesses result in salvation. So people usually use those two scriptures you know, to tell people the gospel. I didn't do a lot of times after, you know, after a service, they give an altar call. And, and, and they, you know, say this. All you need to do is know that Jesus is, you know, was raised from dead call, and speak with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you'd be saved. But, you know, there is more to the gospel than just these, these two verses here. There's a whole lot more than just those two things. In fact, I think one of the things that, that, that my generation has lost, especially since, you know, Billy Graham, you know, passed on and, and uh, move to heaven, a lot of people have uh, intellectualized his ministry and tried to figure out why people are drawn, and they've left out one of the most important ingredients on bringing people to salvation. Because Billy Graham would always preach about, you know, your need for repentance. But now most churches only preach Romans 10, 8 through, you know, 10. It's, it's a mismatch up there. 
But they say, all I need to know is Jesus is Lord. Well, that, that is technically true, but nobody's going to say Jesus is Lord until you realize you need a Lord. And so a lot of our churches have been filled for the last 20 years or so with people that never need, knew their need to repent. They just need to know, I just need to, claim, I just need to believe in Jesus and claim him as my Lord, and that's it. Okay, yeah. Here's, so here's the creed that people use. And, and when I'm talking about is this, is this relationship or religion, I'm talking about relationship because relationships means if I'm going to go minister to somebody, I'm not going to just take something I put together and go minister to them. I'm going to say, Lord, you lead me because you know this person inside and out. What do I need to say? I, need, I want to say it the way you want me to say it. But to, what to hap happens in religion is, well, I know John 3, 16, look, I quote. So you see, that's, I know, I know the Lord. Our Romans 10, 8 through 10, see, I can quote that, I know the Lord. Or some people would just do this, on the third day he rose again. And, and this is kind of a litmus test, they, you know, they made back in, you know, in the day. So there's nothing wrong with this either. But too often we go through a list and just check it off. I got that, understand that. Third day he rose again, yep, I believe that. He sent into heaven, check mark, I believe that. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, yes, I believe that. He'll come again and judge the living, though. yes, I believe that. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, and the communion of saints, oh yes, check. The forgiveness of sins, check. The resurrection of the body, check. And the life everlasting, check. Well, I guess I missed the first part there. <laughs> we believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, check. We believe in Jesus Christ, his son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, check, check, checks. Suffered in Pontius Pilate, check. Was crucified, died, and buried. He descended to the dead, check. We check all those things off. I'm good. I believe all those things. I'm good. That's, that's the gospel. A lot of people think that. But that's just part of the gospel. If it's a relationship and not a religion, then what kind of, what kind of relationship? And this is where all that I came to is to come to this right here, John 5, 39 through 40. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these that testify about me and you are unwilling to come to me so that you may have life. I love the Bible. I enjoy the Bible. I spend a lot of time in the Bible. But if I stop at the Bible, I've stopped short of the glory of God. Because the Bible points to a person, and that person is named Jesus. And a lot of people stop at the Bible. They memorize scripture, and that's where they stop. They say they have a relationship, but they have a religion. The only time they can have peace and quiet and calm is grab a hold of one of these scriptures, and kind of like the rosemary beads, and they just say the scripture over and over, and they have peace, and it works. But it works in the same way. Remember when King Saul was aggravated by demons and King David, you know, before his king, he'd play the harp and soothe. Well, scriptures do that too. But when you know you, when, when you know when you've allowed the scripture to lead you to the person Jesus, you can have peace in the midst of problems. And so we got to know that everything in scripture leads us to a person. We can't just stop there. We just can't give our statement of faith, this is what I believe, and expect it to stand. We've got to go to the, Jesus knows. So I'm going to give you the scarlet thread through Scripture because the gospel, parts of it, has been given throughout the Scripture. 
And everybody has their own part, and it's probably the part that they were missing, the part that caused them to see their need for God. So when I say, you know, how do you need the gospel, it doesn't necessarily mean you need to go through A to Z and give it out. It just means you need to hear from the Lord and speak the part that they need to hear. And it might be a part that they don't haven't heard before. Because it's not just about giving us an intellectual demonstration, you know, to people. But it means giving them a real experience with the Lord. Because we have a lot of apologists that, you know, speak to the mind, and that's an avenue. And we have a lot of people that in a service that get into a real emotional frenzy, so they talk to the emotions. But if God put eternity in our hearts, then I want to talk to the heart. I want to bypass the intellect. I want to bypass the emotions and go straight for the heart. And the only way that that can happen is for me to trust in the Lord Jesus and work through the Holy Spirit to touch somebody. So let's see the scarlet thread through scriptures. So this is the gospel according to Abraham. If you were to ask Abraham, what is the gospel? It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And, uh, and he who was received the promise was offering up his only begotten son. It was he to whom he said, Isaac is your descendant shall be called. So he considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead, from which you also received him back as a type. So if you ask Abraham, this is pretty much what he said. Well, you just got to believe that God can take a dead situation and raise it up. You just got to believe in the resurrection that when we die, there's going to be eternal life as well. That's what he would have told you. That's what changed him. That he had to see beyond this life, beyond having a son, because his family was going to die. And he's going, well, Isaac's going to die someday. So, so if God gives me that promise and that promise is going to last during my lifetime, what's the point in that? But then he saw the resurrection. He saw that there's more than this is life. So I think Abraham would have talked a lot about the resurrection. How about the gospel according to Moses? See, I've set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity. And I'm going to jump down there. It says, I have set before you life and death and the blessing and curse. So choose life in order that you may live and your descendants. It goes on here. So if, you, so if Moses was to sum up the gospel, I think he would tell you this. It comes down to this. Everybody has life and death in front of you. So choose life. No matter what situation you're in, you have a choice. You can either choose life or you can choose death. And the New Testament talks about that, that if we're in times of trials and you know, temptations, that God gives us a way of escape. That's life. Staying where you are in temptation, that's death. So Moses is pretty much telling you that. We're telling you pretty much there. If you choose life, you will live. Now, a lot of people get mad and say, you need to give up the full gospel. Look, if you are really in your heart looking for life, you will come into the full gospel. You will see your need for a savior. You will see your name for a Lord. You will bow your knees to the Lord because you're looking for life. But if you're not looking for life, then you, you may, even the gospel is giving you to straight out. Even if Jesus himself was to come and give the gospel to you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't receive it. The gospel according to King David. You know, this is Psalms 51. So this is a, his, his plea to the Lord after his sin of Bathsheba and the murder of her husband. 
So he's brought down low and he starts out saying, according to your loving kindness. So that's the first thing he does. He doesn't go, you know, God, look at all the good things I've done. You know, weigh that out. No, he just said, forget the good things I've done according to your loving kindness. Don't even, based on anything that I've done good at this point. It goes down to verse four, it says, against you and you only have I sinned. I mean, how could he say something like that? I mean, he sinned against Bathsheba. He sinned against Bathsheba's husband. He sinned against about the nation and, and what he did. But when you look at it, that God is the one that created the commandments and we live in a society now that says, you know, if you know, two couples, you know, agree to go, you know, commit adultery, you know, they're in agreement, then what's the problem? We're not, I'm not sinning against her and she's not sinning against me. You're sinning against God. Because mm-hmm. your agreement doesn't cancel out God. <laughs> sure. So he said, against you, you only have I sinned. Because then goes on and says, you finally comes down and says, that you desire truth in the innermost being. Created me a clean heart. Do not cast me away from your presence. And do not take your Holy Spirit from me. And then verse 16 says, For you do not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. You are not pleased with burnt offerings. The sacrifice of God in a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. So if King David was to give you, this, give you the summary of what caused him to seek the Lord, he says like this, God's not looking for our sacrifices. He's looking for a broken, contrite heart. That's what God is. That's the part that he was missing. <clears throat> and that's the part he's given, you know, he was given. So he says, create a, you know, me a clean heart because God only you can do it. Do not cast me away from presence. He's looking. So I know I don't always give somebody the full gospel and tell them they need to bow their knee to Jesus. Sometimes I just give them out. Well, are, you, are you looking for life? Do you want to live? Or do you ever feel guilty? Does your heart ever feel broken on the things that you do? No, not me. It's not my fault. Well, there's no point in me giving them the gospel. They don't have a broken, contrite heart. They're not interested. I'm not going to waste my time. How about the gospel according to Jeremiah? For I know the plans that I have for you. I mean, here's here's Israel being carried off by the king of Babylon to, to Babylon. And he's, he's going, wait, God's got a plan for you. Really? We're being carried off for 70 years and you're telling us that God's got a plan for us. <laughs> that's an optimist. <laughs> no, that's truth. So Jeremiah was saying, you seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Some people, that's all they need to do. Search God with all your heart. But most people are not searching God with your whole heart. In fact, Jeremiah talks about it. I mean, throughout his whole book, he talks about people only halfway seeking God or seeking God, you know, in vain because they're not really, you know, coming to him with all their heart. They just don't want to get out of the consequences. But Jeremiah's going, if you seek God with all your heart, you'll find him. That's why people are without excuse, according to Romans 1. No matter where you are, if the gospel's never even getting, gotten there to you, you don't have a Bible and you couldn't read if you had it, if you seek God with all your heart, certainly an angel or a dream or a vision or Jesus himself will show up because you're seeking him with all your heart. But many people, especially in the Western world, we seek God in you know, knowledge, but maybe not in all our heart. We're seeking, we're seeking an intellectual intellectual God. I mean, if you're doing that, you're, you're more suited for Buddhism than you are for Christianity. 
because <laughs> the intellect is suiting on that area. So Jeremiah is going to focus on giving the gospel through, are you seeking God with all your heart? If you're seeking God with all your heart, then why does it show that you love this more than God? Why does it show that you want this more than God? How about the gospel according to Ezekiel? This goes throughout his, his large book. The person who sins will die. And verse 21 says, but if the wicked man turns from all of his sins, he just, I mean, this happens like six, I think six times in scripture where he just goes through this over and over. Here's the, here's the best condensed area. Um, verse 24 says, but when a righteous man turns away from his righteousness and commits iniquity and does according to all the abominations that a wicked man does, will he live? So Ezekiel is talking about if you're seeking after righteousness, doing the right thing, being in right standing with God and with man, you're going to be saved. You're going to find the gospel. You're going to find Jesus Christ because you're seeking after righteousness. But if you're not seeking after righteousness, then how would you ever find God? Because God isn't in those places. He's only, he's only available to those who are seeking him. And it goes on to say, in all his righteous deeds, he was done and, be, and remembered for his treachery, which has been committed and his sin, which is committed. For them, he, he will die. Yet you say, the way of the Lord is not right. We see that nowadays because we still have an idea of the gospel is doing more good than evil. And of course, what we're doing, we're not calling evil. We're just calling a little in a little sin here and there. But at least I'm doing more good. Back in the book of Proverbs, this one woman says, you know, I got my offering ready, so let's, you know, take the whole nine because my offering's ready to go. She's already done an offering ready before a sin she's committed. Or you hear people sometimes, God, forgive me for what I'm about to do. Well, we, but Ezekiel's whole gospel is saying, hey, look, if you're seeking after righteousness, you're going to find it. But if all you're doing is seeking right standing to get something out of somebody, then eventually you're going to quit being righteous. Eventually you're going to turn back because... It's not worth it, or you got what you want. And he says, look, if, you, if you're, you're made righteous, we are made the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. But if we don't want to continue on that righteousness, he's not going to hold us back. He's not going to keep us. He says, yet you say the way the Lord is not right. We see that all the time in our culture. We see people that do great things with their life, touch a lot of people, and then something comes out on them. And their whole career is wiped out in a moment because we find out they weren't as righteous as we thought they were. Ministers, athletes, politicians, presidents, all kinds of stuff. And we seem to think, well, what about the good they did? Well, here on earth, I am going to focus on the good that you did. But, but when, when you get to heaven, God is not going to weigh out your good and your evil. It says, and he, right here, he's telling Ezekiel over and over and over six times throughout you know, this whole book that, hey, if you're doing the right thing and then you turn around and do the bad thing, none of your good is going to be remembered. And there's been a whole lot of people that have done a lot of good things and, and they would have been remembered for, you know, for generations, but because something else they did, they were remembered for generations for the wrong thing. And it says, when a righteous man turns away from his righteousness and commits iniquity and does because and dies because of it, for his iniquity which he has committed, he will die. Again, when a wicked man turns away from his wickedness, which he has committed and practice justice and righteousness, he will save his life. 
and, and continues and repent and turn away from your sins and transgressions. Make yourself a new heart, new spirit. So both Jeremiah and Ezekiel say, talking about the promise of God, a new heart, new spirit. Therefore, repent and live. That's just the basic gospel. Repent and live. Stop doing unrighteous things and start doing righteous things. When people say, well, that won't get you saved. Well, look, if you're not trying to do righteous things, then you'll never find the righteousness of God because you're not looking for him. But if you are looking for him because you see, I need to do righteous, why would you want to do righteous things? Because you've already feel a need to redeem yourself. You already feel that you need to cover up some things. So if you're really seeking after righteous things, God will show up and say, you need a righteousness higher than what you can attain yourself. But that would, that would be what Ezekiel's gospel is. Look, if you're doing the right thing, God's going to bless us. But if, we're going to, but if we're going to do the right thing and then get what we want and then go do the wrong thing, <laughs> we're not going to be blessed. Every, every right thing that we did is now going to be blotted out. So the gospel is much more than just a meme. The gospel according to Peter. And it's the book of Acts. After he knows this day of Pentecost and he's telling people, you know, what they did to Jesus. What shall we do? They cry out. And he says, repent, each one of you, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then they continue to devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and a fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So he's pretty much saying the same thing as everybody else. <laughs> repent. And, 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 and turn to God. It says, be baptized in the name, uh, you know, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And I'm just talking about, you know, dunking yourself underwater, which is something we, are, we need to do. We're not saved by that type of baptism. But he's saying being baptized means to be fully, you know, dunked. Christ. You know, into Christ means fully, you know, fully immersed into the teachings of Jesus. Fully committed to, and fully submitted under Jesus, bowing both knees to Jesus. But most people are not doing that. In fact, the gospel is not being taught that anymore. The gospel is now just kind of add Jesus to your friend list. <laughs> you know, agree with these, you know, these, these faith statements. Agree with this, you know, different things here. Check off this, check off that. Are you doing this okay? You're doing better at this? But they continually devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and the breaking of bread into prayer. When it says repent, most people want to go repent for what? And we can give a whole list of things to repent, and that's probably where we need to start. But the, but the repentance is repentance of, of, of trying to do things in our own, being our own Lord is what it is. Making our own choices, choosing for ourselves what is right and what is wrong. Because if all you do is repent for this sin, and then you find another sin, you find another sin, you're always going to repent. But the repentance he's talking about is repenting of being your own Lord. That you can't make it on your own. Like I was saying before, if you've had a problem for years trying to solve it and you still haven't solved it, guess what? You don't have it in you to solve it. So you need some outside help. Some outside help on the inside, which is submitting to Jesus Christ. So when we do get saved, I still got to stay submitted. I continue to devote myself to the apostle teaching and the fellowship because even though I have a new, I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus and that sin nature has been removed from me, that sin nature has had such an impact on my mind, will, and emotions, I need to be renewed in that area. 
So I cannot be trusted. My flesh cannot be trusted still to choose for myself what is right and wrong. I still have to, after become born again, I still got to submit to Christ fully immersed in his word. Fully bowing both my knees to him says, Lord, I am not capable of running my own life. Even with all the stuff you've given me, I still get it mixed up. I still don't know when to push or when to pull back. I still, you know, want to do this and, and, and not do this. So repentance is repenting for trying to do life on our own. It's not just simply, God, forgive me because I'm an alcoholic. God, forgive me because I'm a liar. You know, and after this sin, I'm okay. No, you've got a whole list of sins beyond that one. How about the gospel according to Paul? And it says, they should repent and turn to God for performing deeds appropriate to repentance. So his is pretty, pretty short too. It says the same thing, repent and turn to God. And you need to have evidence of doing that. It's not just some, something you said, God forgive me, and then continue doing what you're doing. You need to have some kind of evidence. You know, some people will say, if, you know, if, if you're brought up in a court of law, could they prove that you're a Christian or not? Would you have any evidence that you're, that you're a new creation or not? There needs to be something behind you that, you know, that, that shows that you have truly repented. And repentance and turn to God is, you know, is one thing, but it's also two things. And when I say one thing, it's because we've got to be turn, we, you know, repent, turn away from ourselves to Christ, which is one move. But as two things, is meaning I've got to turn away from the sins of this world, but I've got to fill this house up with something else. Because I can't be empty because scripture says you're going to be seven times worse than you were before. You know, I don't know if people you know had to deal with, uh, you know, houses and uh, what's it called when somebody takes over your house? Squatter. I don't know if anybody's ever had to deal with squatters, but that's pretty much what Jesus is saying. He said, if all you do is clean up your house and put vacancy up there, you're going to have some squatters and it's going to be very hard to get them out. <laughs> So we, so we need to not only turn away from sins, because if all you do is turn away from sins, that just leaves you as an empty house to be taken over by worse. So we've got to turn away from our sins to Christ and submit to him. How about the gospel according to John? Now, he, you know, he wrote the gospel and then and three other books in here. So, but what would, what would he say someone up as? So that you may not sin. So there is a place that we don't have to sin. We don't have to sin every day. Some people ask them, I'm sinning all the time because they don't understand what really sin is. Uh, you know, who knows how long, he, I don't know how long you can go, you know, without sin. But he's saying, so that you may not sin. So that apparently you can go for a while without really sinning. But anyway, he says, he himself is the propitiation of our sins and not for our sins only, but also for those of the whole world. So he goes more into, you know, the direct point of what the gospel is. But he says, by this we know that we are in him. The one who abides in him ought to himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. Beloved, I'm not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment, which was had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard. So he's talking about the, old, you know, a new commandment is given an old commandment. Well, we can all go back all the way back to everybody in the Old Testament. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and, you know, and love your neighbor as yourself. There's nothing new about that. The gospel is in the Old Testament as much as it is in the New Testament. 
It just seems to be more hidden in the Old Testament and revealed in the New Testament. But if, but I can, we can talk to people and tell people, you know, like Abraham, his, his about the resurrection. We can use different things like that. So here's the gospel, according, you know, according to John, he's, you know, he's talking about those things. How about the gospel according to Jesus? Now we're back to John 3.16, but people stop at John 3.16, they don't go further. So for God so loved the world that gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And that's where we like to stop. But we got to go on because there's action behind believing. It says, For God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Yeah, there's a lot of people like that scripture too, and well, we should. <laughs> he who believes in him is not judged, and he who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. This is the judgment. Now, this is the judgment that the light has come into the world and men love the darkness rather than light for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for, for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as those being wrought in God. So what Jesus is summing it up to is walking in light versus darkness. If you want to walk in the light, if you're looking for the truth in every matter, you will eventually hear about Jesus and you eventually will make, you know, bow your knee to him. But if you're looking for darkness, you may never ever hear the gospel. Even if somebody was to tell you face to face, you're just going one ear out the other because you're looking for darkness. And this is the judgment, light and dark. And the reason I'm saying this is because a lot of us may not ever witness to somebody because either we got the wrong idea of what it means to witness. We think we've got to memorize a bunch of scriptures. Or we think, you know, well, I'm not a scholar, I'm not a preacher and that kind of stuff. But all you need to do is trust in, the, trust in the Holy Spirit that He's going to give you the words to speak. And it doesn't have to be the perfect gospel about, you know, what we just read about the creed. We don't have to list everything off. We don't have to make sure we have a checkpoint for everything. It's, it's the Holy Spirit who knows what somebody needs to hear. Some people, the only thing they need to hear is, how long do you want to walk in the darkness? Do you want to walk in the light? That may be enough where all of a sudden their ears are open to hear the rest of the story. We all have a story. <laughs> yeah. So memes. So if we're going to sum this stuff up memes, hear Abraham, believe in the resurrection. That's going to be his message. You're going to, you're, we're all given once to you know, uh, die, then we're going to face judgment. There's going to be a resurrection. There's going to be a resurrection for those in Christ. There's going to be a resurrection for those of the dead. He's going to talk about the resurrection. <coughs> and that might be your message, telling people, look, you're not going to live forever. And I don't care if you believe, don't believe in an afterlife. It's going to happen. So start talking to the resurrection to them. Or Moses, choose life. It's right before you. I can't see it. It is. It's right there before you. There is a choice. I don't have a choice. Yes, you do. <laughs> and help them point it out. King David, God is not looking for sacrifice, only a broken heart. How many people are caught up in sacrifices trying to do more and more from God? <clears throat> but all God is asking for is a broken heart. Are you, are you sorry? <laughs> are you, you know, do you have, you know, repentance? Are you repentant? Do, do you feel sorry for hurting somebody? Do you feel it in your heart? Is your heart broken over hurting God for sins? That's a big, big difference between somebody who loves God and somebody who's just deceiving themselves. 
If you think all you did is broke God's commandment and that's all, you're missing it because you broke God's heart. And you probably broke people around you's hearts too. <clears throat> and when you start seeing that, then when you do wrong, when you commit sin, the people get hurt. Then you're going to feel the real remorse that leads you to repentance, a godly sorrow that leads you to repentance. A lot of people, a lot of people in church have a worldly sorrow. They sin and they realize, you know, they missed the mark and they're not going to get this raise or they missed it and they're not going to be promoted. They missed it and they lost their marriage. That's all worldly sorrow. But when you look at it and you see, oh man, I walked out today and I said something a little harsh to somebody, that bothers me. I, I need to go back to him and say, you know, I didn't mean it that harshly. I'm sorry, you know, and that kind of stuff. That's where we need to be. A broken heart. But other times, <laughs> oh, okay, I'll just make up with that. I'll just take him out to dinner next week. And then you're mean to him again. Wow. God help me. How many dinners is this going to cost me? And you, that's what people do. <laughs> Jeremiah, seek God with all your heart. Simple. Are you seeking God with all your heart? Yeah. But not this Sunday. I need to go do something else. <laughs> Have you read your Bible? Well, you know, these TV programs. Well, then you're not seeking God with all your heart. That doesn't mean you can't do some of these other things. But if the Bible has always been put off, if Jesus has always been put off, and church has always been put off, then you're not seeking God with all your heart. You're only seeking God part-time. And, and there's no openings for a part-time Christian. None. Ezekiel, continue in righteousness. He became sin me, so we become the righteous of God. All right, I made a good thing. Now I can live the way I want to. Not if you're, <laughs> you're going to have a rude awakening. You're really going to have a rude awakening because we need to continue in righteousness. That's what John says. It says, you, are, you know, be righteous as you were made righteous and continue being righteous. Jesus is the author and finisher. He's the one that gets us started and he will finish it. We can't finish it. We can't be righteous in our own. We can only desire it and let him help us walk into it and continue to do it. So if you talk to Ezekiel, it says, man, continue in righteousness, seek after righteousness. You know, those who are hungry and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. But if you're not seeking, but if you don't have a hunger and thirst for righteousness, then you won't be filled. So no matter how long you've been saved, do you still have a hunger and thirst for righteousness? Are you going from glory to glory? Are you still holding on to Jesus as your ride or die? Or have you found, you know, a false Jesus? Or have you grabbed on when I say there's more, you know, G they know Jesus impersonators than there is Elvis impersonators now. How about Peter? Repent and be fully immersed in Jesus in his way. Is the first thing that goes wrong in your life is the first thing is to seek God and find out what is the answer for this? What is the wisdom for this? What does scripture have to say about this? How do I handle this? And even if you do know some way to handle it, do you go to the Lord and says, Lord, you know, I don't want to lean to my understanding. I think I should handle it this way. But you know, Lord, I don't want to make things worse. I can't understand your word apart from you. So I'm bringing your word to you. Is this what I should do? Or do you just call somebody else or you just kind of fly with it, whatever comes out, comes out. Paul, repent with evidence. If you really have repented, is there any evidence to show that you repented? And of course, there's got to be more evidence than just a vacant room. There's got to be more evidence than you just quitting sinning. There's got to be something 
that's in that place. If I came over to her house and all I saw was beer cans everywhere, and then I come to her house and see all the beer cans gone, but nothing else there, well, I'm glad you kicked this habit of drinking, but there's going to be something else in its place soon. But if I come over and you've, you've kicked your alcoholic thing, you know, all your beer cans and bottles are gone, but now I see a Bible over here, I see you know, your radio and your TV is turned to these stations, okay, I'm seeing some evidence that you're really repentant. Not only do you quit doing what you're doing wrong, but now you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Because it's not, it's not enough just to quit doing what you're doing. Now you've got to start some doing, because there is no middle ground. I mean, if Jesus says, if you know, if you, you know, if you're if you're not with me, you're against me. If you're not a gatherer, you're a scatterer. And that's a whole other message I don't want to get into, but you know, it has a lot to. But anyway, so repent with evidence, and then John abide in acts of love. Abide. Not only abide in the, in the love that God has done for me, you know, done for you, but you start abiding in the love that God has done through you so you may love other people. Because John said that, says, if you say you love God but hate your brother, you're not abiding in God. So all this is, you know, all this has to do with salvation. And so I wanted to, you know, free you up on this idea that you had to give this perfect example of what the gospel is. And all you need to do is there might just be a word or two that you need to give to somebody. That might be the thing that's, that brings them to the Lord. That shows that their need for a Lord. Because everybody in the scripture had a part of the gospel. Most of them didn't give the full gospel. They just gave that one part. And so that's what I'm saying to you. What is that one part for you? What, what is the part that brought you to the Lord? What's the part that, that you saw that you need? Was it anything that was, it, you know, that you saw life was worthless and, you know, and you needed to have a resurrection of the dead? Did you see life? You know, all, all those kind of things. So Jesus, walk in the light with me. Because if you walk in the light with me, if you walk in the light with Jesus, you're saved. But if you're going to walk in the light and with Jesus on a Sunday, then walk in the dark in the rest of the week. How are you ever going to find your way back to the light? <clears throat> you know, when you, when you come to Jesus, he is our intercessor. He is our attorney. There was a, there's a warrant out for every single person that's ever lived. When we get arrested, we need an attorney. And for those who put their you know, trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, says, he is my attorney. Well, we're pleading is a no contest. Played in the blood, and so our attorney can come up and says, "I paid for, I paid the penalty for their sin. I'll take them." But what most people don't understand is that when you come to Jesus, you are now court ordered to stay with them because you can't be trusted. You're a new creation, but your flesh cannot be trusted. You're too ignorant to go out and live on your own, so you're court ordered to stay with Jesus. Now, you can leave that court order any you want, anytime you want. And if you're a sheep, kind of led astray, and we all are, Jesus will come after you. But if you're a goat and want to do things on your term and say, thank you, Jesus, thank you, attorney, for getting me out of this, I'll call you next time. You don't know if there is going to be a next time. 
And if you show up to court, and the judge goes, where's your attorney? I don't know. So you're going to represent yourself? Can you imagine standing before God represent yourself? Because we can't represent ourselves. Because our heart will tell on us. Out of our mouth, our heart speaks. By our words, we can condemn, or by our words, we're going to be justified. So when I come to court, I'm going to let Jesus speak for me. Because the only thing my heart can do is justify itself. Now, if Jesus is speaking for me, he justified me. But if I speak for me and I don't have my attorney, Jesus, with me, and God's going, did you sin? Yes, I sinned. I had to, and this is why. That's called justification. <laughs> I just justified myself. I condemned myself on why I thought I should you know, be removed from this area of sin. Well, I had reason to break your law, God. Do you really want to represent yourself before a holy God? <laughs> no. We better have that attorney who speaks for us and says he's justified as he's, as he's never sinned. And he's fully submitted to my lordship. He's mine. Made righteous. Made righteous. I tell him what, he, what you do, he does it. I tell him not to do, he doesn't do it. He's under my authority. He is my responsibility. As long as he's under my house, Jesus is saying, he's my responsibility. But you leave his house and go out. Who's going to be your attorney? It says in Hebrews, it said there is no more sacrifice after Jesus. So who are you going to find? <laughs> Jesus. <clears throat> and I'm saying this because I might be you know, speaking to the choir, but uh, you know, there, I've been reading through Scripture and like I always have, and I'm seeing new things, and, and I'm beginning to think that so much of the kingdom of God is built by the kingdom of darkness. <laughs> There's so many Judases out there. And we don't know. There's a, there's a whole group of people that stand before the Lord and they're locked out. They said, Lord, Lord, let us in. And they're the congregation. They're going, we heard you in the street. We heard you preaching. We came and, and he's going, I don't know you. But that's one crowd. The next crowd, he said, he comes and they're saying, Lord, Lord, let us in. We cast out demons in your name. We spoke your truth everywhere. These are ministers, multitudes of them. So even if I am speaking to the choir, I don't know what people's heart is. I don't know even my heart. Lots of times I go to the Lord. Lord, check my heart because I don't know. Because if it's up to me, I'm just going to go down a checklist. Check, 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 check. Good, 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 good. Let's forget that other stuff. But Lord, you check me. Am I bowing both my knees to you? And what I call you know, appropriate lordship, and that's another message, you know, or age-appropriate lordship, is we're only accountable for the things the Lord has shared with us. So I don't want you to go out of here and look at a bunch of lists. Oh, no, I'm wrong. You just need to bow your heart to the Lord. <laughs> and you're saved. And what he tells you to do, you do. And what he tells you not to do, you don't do. It's simple. Simple gospel is simple. It gets really hard when we start trying to play Christian lawyer and looking for loopholes where we can do something where God says not do or do things where God says, you know, all that kind of stuff. But he wanted, so I hope you guys are free to be able to give the gospel and whatever the Lord brings to your mouth to whoever, whenever. So 
So let's end in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for going for us, Lord, and, and being our rear guard, Lord. We'd ask for your words to come out, Father. We want to do your will. We want to do be filled with your meat like Jesus was at, the, at that well, Lord, that we reach people for, for your kingdom, Lord. We want to see you exalted. We want to see you lifted up and you draw all men unto you, Father. So, Lord, help us not be so caught up in, you know, fundamentals and so caught up in, Lord, and have to have our eyes dotted and T's crossed to be able to be used by you, Lord. But it helps us to completely lean on you and trust in you, Lord, to deliver the gospel whichever way it needs to be given to the people that we come across, Father. And, Lord, we submit ourselves to you. We don't want to represent ourselves. We don't want to, you know, to justify why we do this or do that, Lord. We want you to justify us, Lord. So, Lord, let your words be known. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Jesus.